0: We had an amazing time uh, with Stephen De Silva uh, on Friday night and Saturday, and I just want to let you guys know that Stephen is a is a gift to the body of Christ. Um, how many of you guys have had a chance to listen to him via either whether he's been here or where, whether he's at Bethel or just some of his products? Just put your hand up so I see across the room. There's Stephen, there's a lot of people. So maybe a little over half um, of the folks here that are, that have been a part of seeing you been a part of your ministry and I just want to let you know that you know Jesus spoke more on stewardship than anything else and um you know Stephen was the the I don't even know what his title CFO I anyway it's CFO at Bethel Church in Reading that small tiny work uh in reading for over 20 years and uh and so to be a, a person who who works in the finances but yet is filled with faith, is is a rare gift, especially to see how God has blessed Bethel. So he was part of the early stages of Bethel and then was part of the whole financial structure as God blew up Bethel into an apostolic uh, headwater, whatever those things are called, you know, all over the world, a global movement all over the world. And, um, and so he's not just bringing, you know, sound theology, but he's bringing experience. And, and, uh, and also, he's really been moving in the whole idea of the prosperous soul. And um, we have a bunch of his stuff in the bookstore. And I, I'm just encouraging you guys. I've, we've had him two years in a row, and I feel like he needs to really come back and impact the Silicon Valley. Because the gift that he has and the things that he carries goes beyond Convergence House of Prayer. I feel like it's something for for Facebook, just the broader the broader Silicon Valley in terms of finances and how. And he mixes. I didn't think I'd be talking about like this, but anyway, uh, he mixes. You know, not only the the financial part of it and the kingdom stewardship, but also Sozo Ministry, and connects it all in our finances. And so. Um, you know, if he wants to come back, he's more than welcome to come back. And, and I just would love to have the whole, the whole Bay Area impacted by what he's bringing and what he brings. And so with that, I didn't think I was going to have that long of an introduction. That was not planned. I have no notes. It's kind of coming out of my heart. But I just want you guys to honor. And as, I, as Stephen comes up, do want you guys bless him and let him minister this morning. Amen. We are going to, just want to let you guys know, when Stephen's done, we are going to take an offering uh, just to bless him and his wife. They took a step out, um, and they're no longer the CFO at Bethel Church. They just, I think it was about a year ago, so now he's on his own. And uh, so we get, we get to bless him from this house, so I just want to let you guys know that. All right, here he goes.
1: Good morning. It's so good to be here. It's so good to meet here. I, it's my second, like Greg said, it's my second time here. And uh, I feel like home. I love you guys. And it's such a great area you're in, man. It's really fun. He, uh, Greg was, both Wendy and Greg were telling me the kind of the history of how this place was founded and, and how God put it on, his, on their heart to come down here and pastor in this, really this uh, headwater of the, some of the smartest minds perhaps in the world right here, creating things, building things, and uh, changing the world, really touching instantly communicating throughout the whole globe, and it's kind of coming out of this place right here. So that's pretty fun. You know, I love what Jesus does, and grateful to him that he uh, remembers pockets of the world like ours, yeah, and puts his church right in the middle of it, a light for people to see. Because, you know, even though there's all this inspiration around and all this uh, skill and knowledge, there can be a lack of wisdom, biblical wisdom, in that knowledge. You know what I'm saying? what I'm saying? So uh, I'm grateful for it. Yeah, man. So, uh, you know, a little known thing about Prosperous Soul events, like the one we had was a prosperous home and about how money affects our homes and our hearts and all that stuff. And uh, the same goes for Prosperous Soul. It's a little different. It works on the heart stuff. Home is a little more practical. A little known fact is that as I, when, when I finish the event, uh, there's this spontaneous desire in the senior leaders to do an interpretive dance the next Sunday morning of the weekend. Yeah, and and uh, it it almost it almost happened today. The pastor was asking me, "I know Stephen, you brought a message, but can Wendy and Larry and I do an interpretive dance of what happened yesterday?" And I said I said, "Well, no." Uh I'm changing the names to protect the innocent a little bit here, but yeah, <laughs> might be evangelistic a little bit, but yeah, so just enjoy. I, I, this is an honor to be here, and I just want to bless the house. Can we open with that? Father, for every man, woman, and child in this house, both the members and those extended visitors who come and go. And the leadership and volunteers that work in this good place, I'm asking that you would wrap them in a mantle of an evangelism of jealousy, that the world around would see them and take notice and be attracted to the light. Father, I'm asking you to prosper and bless everyone of those, and uh, we're grateful for this house, and I leave a blessing on this place in Jesus' name, amen. 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 There's a couple verses I'm going to run through today. I don't have a big, long message. You know, for accountants, we get to the bottom line, and we're kind of done. I learned that early when I was at Bethel. One, when I first started, I was like stressed out. I, can you imagine that happened once? One time, just once. And I was. Uh, it was like the first year I was there, and I was worrying about, you know, how to pay bills. Weird. Happened one time a week, and uh, yeah, I was, um, I was just processing it and thinking, wow, you know, how does this work? That tension between the miraculous and the spontaneous and the revival-esque stuff, and then kind of paying the bills, keeping the lights on, making sure the grass is still green, up and ready, and you got to water the grass, it dies if you don't, right, so... Um, so I'm worried about that tension, and I went into church. It was a Sunday morning like this, and I'm milling around. And somebody walked up, how are you doing, Steve? Patted me on the back. I'm, I'm okay. I was okay, what, what's up? Well, I'm just, just trying to figure stuff out. Okay, so that was all I said. That was it. I went off to my Sunday, and by Monday, there was a bulletin on the Internet that Bethel Church was in a financial crisis. <laughs> so as an accountant, I learned you've got to measure your words. And You got to keep on a good sozo face. You know what a sozo face is, right? How you doing, brother? I'm, I'm, I'm blessed and highly favored. Thank you. You know, there's blood coming out my ears, but I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing great. Yeah, yeah, man. You got to keep that on. So, uh, as an accountant, you learn to share your words carefully and shortly. So, this basically concludes my message. And uh, just appreciate you coming, and hope you have a great Sunday. Uh, no, I have a couple verses I want to play with. Uh, if you're one of those folks that like to write them down and dig around later, uh, please do that. Or if you, if you brought one of those things we call a Bible with you, check them out as I do it. First one is Proverbs 13.22. You can put a finger there. That's the one we'll start in. The second verse is Proverbs 22.6. I'll read these again in a minute. And the third one is Luke 6.45, so you can jot those down. First is Proverbs 13, 22. Second one is Proverbs 22, verse 6. And the last one is our dear Jesus speaking, Luke 6, 45. That's the actual text, the nut in the middle, but we'll start with Proverbs 13. Before we get there, I just want to talk about uh, what I do. You know, I talk around the subject of money, like Pastor said. And um, I'm a CPA. That stands for cut, paste, and attach. That just, that just means you just cut stuff and stick it in different places. And you're so highly trained as an expert in that that people go, ooh. And they give you a little paper on the wall and says, that's a CPA. And took a lot of time and money to get there, but I got there. And that uh, opened up a lot of education and training and opportunities for me. That's how, why I ended up at Bethel Church. Uh, eventually, I left public accounting. That's the auditing and tax space. And I moved over to private accounting, they call it. So I ended up in doing the accounting for a church, which is kind of like career suicide for an accountant. But I went for it. I like to try stuff new, jump off limbs and edges and cliffs, and I did, and I knew that's where I needed to be. God told me, this is a funny little story, I don't know why it's popped in my head, but um, I remember when I was interviewing for my job at Bethel Church, I'm sitting with all these folks in a room, and I didn't know who they were, Bill wasn't there yet, this was another senior leader there, Ray, and they're, uh, they're sitting around, and they're asking me all these questions and harumphing as I would answer, that's what you do as a board member, you harumph. it's, yeah, it's an art form, but so, so we're doing that, and I'm talking and trying to sound you know intelligent, and they're harumphing. And then um, they asked me at the end of this interview, "Is there any other things you want to say to this board?" I was 34. I think it was 34 years old at the time, and I was not from this kind of a church because this wasn't really happening in those days. It was 1995, and um, I'm sitting there thinking, well, what do I say? And it comes out of my mouth like like Balaam's horse. Wait, that wasn't a horse. Um, Out of my mouth comes this declaration that I couldn't stop coming out from from coming out. It was the weirdest thing. I said out loud to them in an interview for a job, God has told me I will be the next comptroller of this church. It just, like, burps out of my mouth. It's like, stop, 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 stop. It's flying out there, and they all harumph at one time, which I thought that was a terminal harumph. That, that, that one got me. I cannot believe I just did that, so I left. Well, it turned out it was prophetic. I was prophesying, just like Balaam's horse. Oh, wait. That wasn't a horse. I'm trying to keep it nice and neat for church. I wasn't raised in church. I was raised by wolves. We were out. Yeah, we weren't Christians and uh, we were farmers. Did you know that farmers have their own form of tongues? Mm-hmm. They can use those tongues on the cow that kicks them or the, the hammer that hits their, na- their finger. You know, just spontaneous tongues come out of their mouths. It's a little different here. Um, I have to be careful because sometimes those still bubble out. So I'm being careful. But I talk about out of all that training and education and experiences, uh, I came to really have a a perspective that was kind of different. It plugged together the technical side of finances and money, lending and borrowing, Uh, just kind of the structure of how things work and companies and things. And then the experiential stuff of being in that tension between the supernatural and the natural. So that was pretty fun. I learned about how to, um, <laughs> and here's some tips on investing. I was thinking, just I just throw these out. First one is, if you find something that seems too good to be true, it probably is. Okay. Money is a perfect slave and a terrible master. And the most important for us men, men hear this. If you find an investment that you are sure is, this is amazing. And you can hardly, you're giddy with excitement over it. If you cannot explain that to your wife in a way that she gets giddy to, run. Yeah, It's like God has put a special DNA thing, whatever those things are on the DNA chain, there's a DNA thing in women that can smell a rat, okay? And so if, guys, if you cannot, I don't care how cool it is, if you cannot explain it to your little partner, and her respond, that's amazing. I totally get it. Then run. All right. There's your free investment advice for the day. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to talk about money. A lot to say, a lot, of, a lot of skills you can learn, a lot of ways to figure out how to keep it and get it and hold it and use it and spend it right and give it away and all that good stuff. So that's what I've been doing. That's part of what inspires the interpretive dance uh, response in these pastors as I go around and teach it. But the thing that I feel like actually is the most important is my focus on the heart. How, How money exaggerates what's right here. It makes it bigger. Whatever we believe in here, it gets bigger with money. Because money is a spiritual power and power always exaggerates whatever's in your heart. There's lots of kinds of power in the world, you know. I think, I think money, of course, is a power. I think borrowing and lending is a power. Because that's why borrowing gets people into such trouble. Because it starts to exaggerate what's going on inside. Uh, I think authority is, is a power. I think... Beauty is a power. That's been my biggest burden, actually. <laughs> beauty. Yeah. Beauty and celebrity are the two that have really just worked me, man. Yeah, that kind of went away with my hair. But my, my big moment with beauty and celebrity was in the third grade, when girls still thought I was cute. Yeah. Yeah. But by fourth grade, I was a has-been, so I wrapped it up. So. so I had to fall back to learn about money because that was the only one left. But <laughs> you think I'm kidding. Oh, man. So the thing that makes permanent change is right here. The thing that I teach, and so I'm not talking about this to say, hey, man, you should hear, hear what I say. I'm saying you should understand that the thing you've got to grapple with is right here. If you solve this little thing, then money is no longer a problem. Money, you see, money design, it. God isn't shocked that money is a power. He kind of knows that. In fact, I think he designed it. He designed that money in the heart of man would exaggerate us. So I think that he made us, our hearts, this in here, like a blender without a lid. That's kind of a trick he played on us. He made us like a blender, but he didn't give us a lid. Because he, I think he likes the idea that money exaggerates whatever's in our blender. Now we got a bunch of stuff in our blender. We have things we believe that are true and things that are believed that are not too good truth. In other words, some is biblically accurate, some is not. But all that stuff is down in that blender. And money is like pushing the buttons on the blender. Right? It pushes higher and higher. Now, we can get away with it for a while. And, um, and that's, ooh, I think this is true. The pastor can fix this later when I'm gone. But I think that the body of Christ has, oh, historically, it's not us. It's those guys. Does that work? <laughs> There, I fixed it. Those guys in the past, Christians in the past, we have um, felt more comfortable with not having money than having money because having money makes us ugly. So let's not have money and then we look pretty. And then we can protect our testimony of Jesus. Right? I think maybe that's right. I think... Fortunately, it's not our problem. It's those guys, right? We we have overcome this. We have gotten to where we can turn on our blender and all sorts of Jesus comes flying out. That's the way it's supposed to work. You get that? You see, that's why God didn't give us a lid because he wants money to exaggerate our heart. He wants it. He wants what we believe to be Jesus. Oh, this is my big T, you know, big T's and little T's. Big T is Bible. What God says is true. Little T is the stuff we think we know that sometimes kind of doesn't agree with big T. You get that? So all that little T can feel really true, but that's kind of the stuff that Jesus kind of has to fix when, <laughs> when he comes and lives inside of us. He goes, okay, good job. You got me as your Lord now. We got to do some house cleaning. <laughs> Woo, where do we begin? <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah? And so he starts cleaning out the little t's, but he doesn't just like throw, throw little t's out and leave less inside the blender. He wants to put big t's back where the little t's were. Right? So he's, he's in there weeding us out and cleaning us out, and this is the thing that, um, that I really want to talk about because I just love this idea that, that money is a spiritual power and power exaggerates your heart, but secondly, that God designed money to exaggerate our heart, and He wants us to be exaggerated by money. He wants us to be exaggerated by money. He wants money to turn, as we get promoted and blessed, whatever God would do on increase, that's His game. But as He blesses and increases us, it's like pushing more buttons on the blender, and woo, it gets going on, and out of our blender comes Big T. Jesus, all over the walls... That's probably a bad metaphor, but I'm just thinking (laughs) some of it breaks down at some point. But I'm just thinking it would be, that's where generosity bursts forth. That's not because we're awesome. That's because he is awesome and he's in there. And when power is on us, whatever kind of power you're engaging, beauty, celebrity, authority, influence, money, whatever that thing is, it just gets Christ out. And people are like, wow. You see, when truth gets on the wall, like out, it just like comes out. That, that sound is Latin for comes out. Right there. In fact, let's all practice this. Ready? On three. One. We're going to practice the, okay? Ready? One, two, three. I am home. I do love you guys. This is awesome. Yeah, man, you can practice that on your own at home, but that's it. When that stuff comes out, when truth comes out, everybody loves it. The Bible says there's no laws against that stuff. There's no, nobody argues against when love comes flying out, when love's extended, when generosity happens, when care, when rescue, when heroes appear, right? Nobody's upset about that. They're like, oh, give us that. Man, the world is starving for big T. Big T has power with it. You know that? That's the anointing. That is the, man, it's like the manifestation of truth. Isn't that what we want in our lives and we pray for more, Lord? I mean, that's what what I want in my life. I know that's what you guys want. I know that's what the world wants. I have part of my thing that I do it's kind of it's kind of a growing part that I'm really enjoying is the, the pastor said, the sozo stuff, I mix the sozo stuff, so I have a thing called financial sozo, okay? who cares what it is? it's just it works like this. I have a shingle I put up, and I said um, to uh two non-believers, okay, so I have like a split personality. You know, I talk in Christianese here. We can talk about Jesus, and we can talk about Christianity, and we can talk about the culture of honor, and we can talk about uh, all these, these phrases, poverty spirit. We can say these things because this is our unique foreign language. We're like a foreigner in the world, in the, in the secular space. If you use those words out there, it's like you're speaking French. The so People are like, hmm? What What does that mean? So my split personality is when I take off my church hat and I put on my, I'm going to work in the secular space, I'm not, this is my Christian hat. This hat is follower of Jesus. Isn't that weird? If I'm in the secular space and I have my Christian hat on, and it happens sometimes, it kind of squeaks out. Like one time I was... I was talking, I was ministering to an um, Orthodox Jew in a financial sozo. And so these guys connect with me like through Skype or something like that. So I don't know where he was, but we were, oh, he was in Israel, which was particularly cool. So I'm just like, oh, this is fun. So I'm working with an Orthodox Jew. And when I first started, I forgot my Christian hat on. You know, they don't believe in Jesus, which is just awkward to me. So I just, I said, um, "I said, okay, are you are you comfortable if I pray in Jesus' name?" I it just, I mean, talking to an Orthodox Jew, right? <laughs> Unsurprisingly, he said, "Actually, no, I don't. Actually, I don't want you to do that." And I said, "Oh, oh!" Let me get on my secular hat because I forgot. I said, "Are you comfortable if I pray to Almighty God, to Father, our Father God?" He was like, "Yeah, totally." Good enough for me. So we went on with our little financial sozo, and we're going along. And I and I assure him, and I do this on purpose with the with my secular hat on, my follower of Jesus hat. I'm, I I uh, I tell him, you know, I'm just here to serve you, and I'm going to give you some really powerful tools. You know, the kind that plug into the wall and you hook them up, and you can run logs through them, and they can cut up. You know what I mean? Power tools. Not just 110, but 220. You know what I'm saying? Like the big plug. (coughs) We're going to plug into that, and we're going to use that tool on you. And I'm going to just use it. And when you're done, you're going to have some cool experiences. I know you will because it happens all the time. And when you're done, you can even have the tool. Take it. Here you go. Let me unplug it and give you the tool. But then I tell them, you just need to know that that tool plugs into Jesus. It does. I tell them straight up, I, I'm a follower of Jesus, and this power tool is 220, and it goes right here into Jesus. That's the other Latin for plugging into Jesus, okay? So we're building our language, aren't we? And so it's weird. They're like, okay. And so we move forward every time. We just go along. Well, I'm doing with, working with this Jew, and we get along, and we're cruising along, and out of my mouth, I say, in Jesus' name, and I'm and I, I'm so sorry because I don't want to offend him. I respect him. I don't want to offend him, and he's just like, ah, don't even worry about it at this point because he's like, stuff's breaking down. Stuff's falling away. He's like, he saw the power in that right there. It got on the wall, and he's like, Whoa. That's what I want. It's so fun how the world is not afraid of real power, even power that requires righteousness, peace, and joy of them. It's, it's weird. It's like, you know, but if I go in with my Christian hat, they, they presume maybe through experience that I have an agenda behind it, behind, besides just kind of loving them and, and serving them. A lot of these people take the tool and haul it home. And then I, I, this was a different different man, was a, a couple that I did. I'm gonna jump to another couple who I did a training on financial sozo. I said, this is not only using the tool, this is how you use the tool. And this was another Jewish couple. And this one said, can I have the tool? I said, yeah, literally you can. By the way, it plugs into Jesus. I don't know how you're going to work that out, but if you want to work that out, you let me know. He sent me a the coolest email about a month later after the training. There's a bunch of people in a room. After the training, he sent me an email, and he said, this is so awesome because I can plug into Jesus and watch the tool work. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, man. Yeah, every, I think without... With only one exception, did I have someone say, no, I, oh, I've had a few of them say, I'm not comfortable with you praying to Jesus, but I'll let, they always, except one exception, will pray to Father God. Okay, so that's, okay, well, it's fine to me, but I had one exception. He was a Hindu man, a Hindu gentleman, and he was asking for help, and he said, um, I said, Is it, Are you comfortable if I pray in Jesus' name? He said, No. I said, Oh, okay. Well, are you comfortable if I pray in the name of Almighty God? He said, No. Really? I said, Well, I guess we're done. <laughs> because I, oh, he offered, Would you pray in the name of the divine spirit? And I said, that's I said, oh, I guess we're done because I don't know who you're talking about and it's certainly not who I'm talking about. Now, my spirit is the spirit, the, but I don't know who yours is, so let's just be done. Here's a refund because I'm not going to do something that isn't plugged into that, that guy right there. And he goes, oh, oh, no, 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 okay, okay, because he had blood coming out of his ear. He said okay, let's just try it. We'll try it your way. Let's try with Father God, Almighty God. I said, okay, close your eyes. Just like that. We're on the screen. He's on the Skype. And I said, okay, let's do it. Close your eyes. He said, okay. I go, repeat after me. Father God, Father God, would you show me where you are in the room right now? And he's sitting there. You know those seconds are can you feel those sweat beads coming out? Because on the outside, I'm looking really smart and cool, like, yes, yeah, how I roll. But on the inside, I'm like, oh, please, Jesus. Do you do this? I don't even know. I don't know. Dude, I'm a farm boy accountant from the sticks. I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm sitting there, and he closes his eyes. He's not moving. And finally, I say, so tell me what you see here or sense. Tell me what's going on. He goes, I see this cloud and these droplets of, he was total hokey, okay. I see these little droplets of rain and they're falling on me and it's so beautiful and peaceful. (sniffs) Yeah. I go, good. I go, one more prayer. He goes, okay. Father God, would you come into my heart right now? I just go for it. And he goes, Father God, would you come into my heart right now? And he shakes like this. And he sits there stiff for what seemed like, it was literally probably 10 seconds, right? But it seems like a long time. He's just, whoa. And then he pulls off his glasses and he starts wiping tears from his eyes. He's going, oh. (laughs) And I'm like, hmm. Tell me what you see here or sense. He goes, I don't understand it. He said, when I said that, this, this thing, this light just went into my heart and I had this wall up and it went like, like it was like a filter and it went whoosh, right through it into my heart. I'm like, oh, and you're sitting there like, whoa. I said, you're welcome. Now let's continue. <laughs> right? You're welcome. Whew. Yeah, man. God is power. Mm-mm. But this this heart is where we collect treasures. Yeah, I think about heart, the heart of man. What's the heart of man? And I won't do it here, but when I teach, and I've been here a year ago, I taught about the heart is like Olympic two Olympic rings. Oh, this is the accountant talking, and this part Pastor can fix later. Okay. So I see, I see humans as body, soul, and spirit. Are you with me? Body, soul, spirit. And uh, when we think about the heart of man, there is a body part of the heart. So, right? so we know the body, so let's remove that. So imagine three Olympic rings, and they're kind of overlapping. And the body is one, soul is one, spirit is one. So we take away the body, because that's obvious. That's the physical piece. But that leaves the soul and the spirit. And I describe the soul... Like which is our mind, will, and emotion, I call that our historian, because it 's the part that has studied our lives since we were aware and has recorded what it thinks to be true, and sometimes it experiences things that are really beautiful, like how much my you know my mother or father loves me, other times it experiences things like maybe how scary my mother or father are, you know what i 'm saying, but the the soul is just recording it's just a recorder of what it thinks is true and it stuffs that down inside of itself that's what the soul is it's this recorder and then the spirit i think of like an empty glove so here here's this little glove and when we're born as people we have a body soul and spirit but the spirit the glove is empty and we spend our life when we get aware enough we spend our life well i need to find some truth greater than me It's a glove because it's designed to hold on to something, grab something greater than us. But it's empty, so we kind of, as people, uh, looking for reasons to live, we start filling it with whatever we can find. We put alcohol in there. We put sex and drugs and rock and roll. Well, rock and roll should be there somewhere. Not there. (laughs) But we put, you know, save the whales and protect the squirrels and put all this stuff inside the glove because we're trying to find meaning Now, I love whales and squirrels. I don't mean anything against them. It's just they don't belong in my glove. Does that make sense? There's something I should be protecting. I'm not sure about squirrels, but for sure, the whales. Okay, so we dig (laughs) whales. Who loves whales? Totally, love whales. (laughs) Who loves squirrels? Actually, I love squirrels. I think they're totally cool. So those are all good, but they don't belong in my glove. Your glove should be filled with a meaning greater than yourself. A person greater than yourself. That line comes from Viktor Frankl in his book *Man's Search for Meaning*. It's a great line. Yeah, for a person, it's actually he ascribes it to the the secret to success is to serve someone greater than yourself. Not interesting. He was a believer. And so um, my spirit is an empty glove. And when we confess Jesus as Lord and he comes into our heart, I believe he puts us on like a glove. See that right there? Jesus inside of our heart means that he is our something greater. And he knows because Jesus is in there, he's the, you know, he became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word, He is truth. Jesus is truth. So when Jesus is in our glove, remember my two, my two circles? My soul, my spirit knows truth. Does that make sense? Because Jesus is in there. Now, when I'm working with my follower of Jesus hat on there, I'm working with people with all sorts of stuff inside of their glove. And so that makes it a little more complicated because, you know, who knows what they think is their higher purpose. But with us, we can cut through all that and go, oh, my spirit has Jesus on, uh, inside of it. He's put us on like a glove. I love that phrase. That comes out of Judges. Uh, Yeah, Gideon. You know, God calls out that great valiant warrior. He's like, what? He's all afraid and stuff. Well, God puts him on like a glove, man. Oof. I love that. That's where, that's with Jesus our Lord. So if Jesus is inside our, oh, so I should do this. If I draw a circle around the two, the two rings, soul and spirit, remember it was body, soul, spirit. We put the body on, let's put that on the shelf because we can see that, that's physical. But the soul and spirit of the two other rings. One's a historian, the other is a glove with Jesus inside. If I draw a circle around it, I get a heart, the heart of man. Oh, that's a Jewish idea, and I can't say that's in the Bible. I'm just saying that's what I think, and this is the part pastor can fix. Yeah, really. I mean, I'm not trying to tell you how it works. I'm telling you how I think it works. You know, so that's just like mechanically that helps me. So if I, in my soul, my soul is my historian. If I have written down something that is not biblically true, that means I have a divided heart because my spirit knows what's biblically true when Jesus is in it. But my soul is a vast pile of journals that have a mixture. You see that? This mixture is the purpose of my ministry. And this is the thing that I was saying. If you wrestle this issue on purpose, understanding it, you can... Convert, you can work your way closer and closer to the image of Christ by removing or erasing old ideas you've learned and recorded down inside to be true. When you find the Bible contradicts that, or, oh, that actually isn't Jesus, that doesn't actually produce good fruit. Ah, oh, that's what I want the, tr- the truth in, so this I'm going to have to surrender. So we just get through. We just kind of get busy. We take out things that are not biblically true, and we put them in. We just keep working our blender. Yeah, man. This thing is an interesting, uh, an interesting, interesting thing about money and the and the stuff that I teach is uh, how we are going to finish our lives and leave and. So we accumulate enough money throughout our lives and we get to the end of our lives. We've, we've spent or taken care of our needs. At least this was kind of my idea. We get to the end of my life's needs and if there's something left over, I'm going to leave it to my children, right? Um, I'm in the throes, in the jaws of that horrible thing right now because of my, my mother and father and their age and kind of where they're at. Yeah, it's no fun watching... A, um, a hero of your life kind of unwind. You know, it's, it's sad. It's been hard. And so uh, I'm going through their things and we're, you know, selling things, giving things, throwing things. It's interesting. It's pretty painful, actually. But I'm watching from my mother's, from my mother's perspective. She has a, uh, accumulated a pile of money throughout her life. She's a hardworking woman, single mom. She went through that, raised me, did a bunch of other stuff. She's got this nest egg, and now she's, now I'm administrating this, helping her to make it last, and then if there's anything left, it will pass on. And I thought, oh, that's, that's always been kind of my perspective of inheritance. This brings us to our first verse, Proverbs 13, 22. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Ooh, that, that is just an awesome verse. I love it. Is that New, New American Standard? Beautiful. I don't know, think so. Okay. So um, I probably will say New American Standard, but you guys use whatever version you dig. You know, that's good. Proverbs thirteen twenty two. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Now, I, I used to think until, I have to confess, kind of recently, I thought, oh, a good man does that. So for me to be good, I'm going to leave, plan to leave something for my children that will make me good. And I want to leave enough to make it two more generations. And I'm thinking, stuff, as in some savings, some stocks, some bonds, some land, some assets, right? I'm going to accumulate some stuff. Donna and I are going to do our best so that when we get to the end of our life, we leave an inheritance. And that's, of course, not evil, except it occurred to me that sometimes scriptures are not giving us instruction on will but telling us how the physics of heaven work. In other words, you see, if it's giving us an instruction of will, then it is what I will. If I desire to leave it or not, then that verse means, well, if I decide to agree, then I will apply myself, and through hard work and discipline, I will leave something to my children. But if I decide, yeah, let's just go spend it, I change my will and my kids don't get it, right? That's an issue of will. But I think that verse and a bunch of others actually explain the physics of the spiritual world. In other words, a, a good man does leave, shall leave an inheritance to his children's children. I think it illustrates that there are things we are passing on that will pass, period. And I think it's ascribing this to a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. But I think there is hidden under that, if I lift it, I think maybe that's like the way gravity works in heaven. Maybe that's just how it works. You are going to pass your treasures to the next generation. Treasures and the subject of heart uh, are the point of my message. Uh, Let's quickly look at, oh, let's just, yeah. Proverbs 22, six. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So this is a, a verse, again, in Proverbs, where we're learning that if you, if you discipline a child and train him what matters and what's valuable, he will pick that up and carry it in his later life, Amen. right? Again, I think it's talking physics. You see, I think every one of us have inside of our soul An accumulated historic journal that is both experiential and generationally inherited. I learned a bunch of stuff from my dad. Even the stuff I didn't want to do and learn, I learned. How many of you, I know none of you, but how many of you have a friend who has said, I will never be like my father? in this area, and they are. They look in the mirror and they're like, dang it. (laughs) Dang it. It comes flying out of us. Yeah, I think the real inheritance that is happening all the time, the thing that you cannot avoid because it's physics, like gravity, you know, I don't care how much I think against gravity, If I step off this podium, one of us is going to be right. Either my big old idea or physics. Right? That's the third Latin word. But we'll leave that one off the table. If you want to practice that one, you can. What do we have now? And... See, I'm at the end of a conference... I'm about to leave. Pastors are going to fix it all when I leave. This is awesome. I get to just relax and use my true tongues. (laughs) But this, I think, is cool. Because if we can understand that the actual physics of our existence will pass on our treasures, the treasures, Jesus in Luke 6. Let's just throw that one up there says, a good man, oh, 645, the good out of the treasure, the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good, and the evil out of the evil brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. I think Jesus is saying that our heart, soul, and spirit is a mixture, big T's and little T's, And that that is hidden deep down inside of us as a treasure. And that will manifest in our life today and in our children's life. They will inherit whatever I have done with my blender. Does that make sense? Now, I like to teach around money because it's a really common power, but my ministry isn't even about money. I just use money because I know a lot about it. The truth is, our heart is a blender, guys, and it's not enough to recognize that money will exaggerate it and go, oh, well, or we will pass the oh well on to our children. Now, some of us don't have children, but we do influence other people, don't we? We have authority to represent Christ, and that will pass on to whoever we have influence over because influence is another spiritual power. I just want to encourage you to build a habit of cleaning out your blender. I mean, that's what we do all the time in church, but for me, it helps me connect. Oh, that's part of what I'm about. I want to leave an inheritance to my children's children, both I have two sons and their beautiful wives, my new daughters. I want to leave an inheritance and to bless them. I want that. I do, but I also want to give them the rich big T that I have been learning through this process since Jesus put me on like a glove. Oh, how would that change your life? How would that change your life? How would it look in your life, to be aware of this assignment. This assignment to not settle for oh well. You see, it's so powerful because because money makes stuff come out of our blender that sometimes doesn't look like Jesus. I know it's not you guys, but that friend of yours. (laughs) Things like cheating. Well, nobody will know. Or lying. That little stuff that we kind of oh well. And nobody's looking. Or, you know, cheating, lying. How about stealing? No, we don't do that. I know you don't. But you may have a friend who does, like the one in the mirror. It's crazy to me. It never ceases to amaze me the stuff that Christians do behind closed doors. There's a phrase that Paul says. I think it was Paul. He says, this kind of thing shouldn't even be mentioned among us. Misbehaviors, what are we doing, guys? You know, the world is starving for big T truth. They really are. They're looking for the authentic stuff, the stuff that comes flying out, and when it hits the wall, together with me, that when it hits the wall, they go, that is beautiful. That is brave. That is generous. That is, has integrity. That is pure. Wow. They want that. All we have to do is be aware that our heart is a blender. And every time something comes out that doesn't look like Jesus, all we have to do is ask Father God, hey, where did where did I learn that? Where did, why did that seem like the thing I should have done? Uh, you hear me? This would be awesome. In this, in th- what you represent here is like ground zero in the communication space of the planet. And you guys could spread that light all over the world from right here well I'm going to do the same thing and if the body of Christ let's, let's not settle for oh well let's go okay so let's practice and then I'll be done really easy because there's no better person I've ever found for putting his finger on a bad idea than the Holy Spirit <laughs> he can just go yeah that right there that's not me I didn't teach you that. Maybe it's something think about it right now. Holy Spirit, would you show us right now? So, oh, there it is. Something that's a little tea that you want to take out. Would you show us that little tea right now, Holy Spirit? Close your eyes and just think. Probably it's already obvious. Yeah, you want that one? Yeah, he does. Maybe it's something you learned from your parents. Maybe it's something you learned from a really painful experience. We live in a fallen world, and there's a lot of that stuff. Maybe it's something you've been doing and kind of hiding, too ashamed to tell anyone. Hey, let's just get it out of there. Let's do it right now. So just repeat after me, Holy Spirit, thank you for your wisdom and I receive your comfort as you identify this lie in my life. This thing has made me misbehave and I hate the fruit it bears but I have held on to it for too long. I have kept it as a treasure in the vault of my heart But I know that you have seen it. And I ask that you would lift it out. I ask you would bring it to the light and take that thing from me. I give it to you. I forsake it in Jesus' name and ask you to burn it on a fire made for that purpose. Now, Father, there's a space down in my heart where that lie used to be. I ask you right now to tell me what's true from your Bible, Holy Spirit, thank you for truth. I ask you to plant it in my heart. Make it a new treasure that I can pass that on and enjoy it every day until then. I bless what's been done in Jesus' name, amen. Father, I thank you for this church, this community, working on it, <laughs> practicing. I thank you for this assembly. I ask that you would bless them and richly prosper them in that they would prosper and be in good health even as their soul prospers. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, God bless you guys. (laughs) Thanks so much.
0: We hope you enjoyed this message. For more messages like this, please subscribe and thank you for listening.